Previously on the Spielman and Hooley We Tackle Life podcast. I, I got an observation. It just hit me like a ton of bricks. Now, this is reality setting in. You know how oftentimes we make fun of people on Twitter? <laughs> what are you doing? You're sitting in the basement with all the answers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Where are we? <laughs> Think about that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my. <laughs> so at least it's not our mom's basement. It's mine. <laughs> oh. At least one of us owns the basement. That's right. We're one step I, above the dude right. sitting in I, his mom's basement. I remodeled this basement. So there we go. <laughs> Yeah, champion baseball. But that doesn't system. mean we don't have good advice That's to offer. Right, it doesn't. Uh, oh, so let's. So no, let's don't reject all the advice we have just no. because we happen to be sitting in you the know, basement. You know good morning, we, sir. You know what we do have? What the <laughs> Cleveland Browns don't have? Insight. Uh, restraint. Insight. Self awareness. Yes. <laughs> yes. So at least we are make that uh, we're, <laughs> that we're aware of where we are. Yes. Good morning, everyone. It is a Monday edition of the Spielman and Hooley We Tackle Life podcast. It's a jam-packed edition as we have a college football playoff semifinal we have a big 10 championship a historic big 10 championship to talk about and we have brown stuff to talk about not the game it's not the game something else as it always is mr spielman is back from the vikings and the lions it's always fun when you do a lions game because the lions fans love to engage with you after Uh, they they do well my my biggest thing is um when talking uh, two Lions fans. Everybody wants to. All right, let's fire everybody, burn it down, and yep. start again because I'll they think. Flip their heads. It, yeah, I mean, everybody thinks that in the immediate firing of a general manager and a head coach, everything's going to change right away. And my point is that Matt Patricia was brought in by Bob Quinn. Bob Quinn was brought in there and say, "Okay, give Jim Caldwell another year, then make your move." Yep. Right. Yep. Yep. So he does. Then you tell him you can rebuild the team however you want to rebuild it. And if you're going to do that, then you have to give these guys at least three years. Or I would say, you know, third years, they have to be in a playoff hunt, mm-hmm. at least at the end of the season, for significant and substantial progress. And the example I used, because I did a lot of 49ers games, if you recall. Yes, you did. So the 49ers, when Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch first took over, their first year they were 6-10. and 10. And everybody said, okay, fine, first year. Second year, they were 4-12. and 12. Oh, they're going backwards. Get, get rid of get, them. Get rid of them oh, all. Yeah. Oh, they can't do it. Yeah, get rid of them. I mean, I, I would hear from 49er fans because I became quite uh, engaged with them because of the fact that I was out there doing so many games. I said, be patient. They'll have a good team. And I think the Lions have a chance to have a good team. But I don't think you fire guys that you say, hey, remake our team, philosophically remake it because they went from throwing it all over the yard to where they're trying to be a more balanced physical football team. So you're you're building through the draft and free agency. Now, I get it that they haven't lived up to expectations or standards. If they don't do that next year, then you can revisit that decision. But at least let's see what the third year looks like. You have to do that or there's no point. Or you just if you burn it all down, then we're going to have the same discussion in three more years. Yes, you are. So I, I just, I don't understand. But hey, you know, that's the passion of NFL fans. Fortunately, there are places where you seamlessly transition from one iconic coach to uh, a college football playoff berth. And that is what we have with Ohio State as they are in the playoff, which is no surprise. And they would have been whether they lost to Wisconsin or not. Uh, we'll get to the Big Ten title game and their comeback over Wisconsin on Saturday night. But we start with the news of the day, which is the most recent stuff is. 
that Ohio State will play Clemson in the Fiesta Bowl, December the 28th, Glendale, Arizona. Uh, they were one going into the Big Ten title game. They dropped to two. And I think uh, this gentleman on Twitter, Richard Caldwell, did not address me. I saw this on Twitter right. this morning. And he writes what I'm sure a lot of Ohio State fans are wondering. He says, how do you go into the weekend, the number one team in the country, play the number eight team in the country, go down to them at halftime, come out and beat them by double digits, and wake up the next morning number two? I'm not an Ohio State fan, Richard says. But that's ridiculous. And so, here's my response. My response is, you asked for an explanation, so here goes. You made a compelling case for OSU. The problem is you ignore what LSU did. As the number two team, it dominated the number four team. It didn't need to rally like OSU. The committee had to pick. It chose uh, the team that made the last best case. It was a close vote, I'm sure, but that's why. I understand both arguments. Yeah. Uh, I, I do. And I kind of knew when I heard Urban Meyer at halftime. Urban bailed at halftime on him. Saying that uh, LSU is the number one team in the country. So now that's over. LSU is the number one team. Ohio State's got to go win the game. I think that gives the committee an out. Right? I, I don't know how much that played into it, but I don't think it's... I don't think it did not not play into it. Well, it it didn't help Ohio State. (laughs) Right, yeah, that's what I mean. I mean, if he comes out at halftime and says, you know, they'll be fine. What if they rally and come back? They'll prove themselves as a champion because the committee could have looked at it that way. They could have said they responded like champions. There are are a few powerful voices in college football. I I would say Kirk Herbstreit's a powerful voice that people listen to. And I would say that Urban Meyer is maybe more powerful than Kirk Herbstreit in his voice and when people listen to it amongst that. Committee members? Well, listen, I mean, Urban's been the coach that they had to say no to when Ohio State was close in 2017 and 2018. So for him to make a case for the team that they're debating, the committee is debating against Ohio State, knowing his affinity for Ohio State every week, he's wearing, well, not every week, some team weeks, there's a Florida ring, but I mean, he's obviously close to Ryan Day. He loves Ohio State. He talks about his greatest career accomplishment, sure. 7-0 against Michigan. I mean, that's the guy who probably is, you know, in the media, you don't have to worry about him. Herbie tries to be down the middle. I don't think Urban tries, when it comes to Ohio State, no. to be down the middle. That's Everybody why I knows think his words is. carry so much weight. Yeah, I was stunned he said that at halftime. He's certainly the most powerful voice on the Fox. And listen, I'm not blaming, and I know Chris is not blaming Ohio State falling to two no. on Urban. But if you say, was that an influence, may not have been the overriding influence. In fact, I'm sure it wasn't the overriding no, influence. No, but it's but- part of the discussion that goes on in there. Then that's what you have when you have human eyeballs making decisions. And when the eyeball test is part of the formula, then you can make an, a, a strong argument for LSU to be number one. I, I mean, but to, it, it doesn't matter to me, Okay. It I never mean, mattered to me I think either. it's better, in fact, that Ohio State is number two, and here's why. Because everybody, including myself, has anointed them a great, great team. And on Saturday night, they came out, and for the first time, they showed and they thought they were a great team. Because when I was watching that first half, they were getting their rear ends handed to them. Physically up front. Now, Wisconsin was playing out of its mind, which they had to do. They did exactly what we told you on this podcast they were doing. They were throwing on first down. 
They were attacking the edges. They were bringing a guy in motion to slow down any backside pursuit, and Jonathan Taylor got going. Yep. Then the sign of a truly great team and a mature football team is somebody in that locker room at halftime said, hey, we are getting our rear ends handed to us mm-hmm. physically. Yeah. Are we going to throw it all down? Then they came out and they dominated. I mean dominated Wisconsin and played like the team that they are. So for them, I think it's a good thing that they're number two because it it, it goes into the realization and they're an underdog going in against Clemson. Yeah, they all started a favorite things. and then yeah. they everybody bat Clemson and now uh, Clemson is favored by two. So a four-point swing in the spread because Ohio State was originally yeah. favored. You're right in, in the sense that I didn't understand. Again, Urban su- surprised me Saturday night when he said, oh, yeah, you don't want right. to play Clemson. Yeah. You don't want to play them. Well, he I'm had thinking, his troubles versus Clemson. Well, so. that's, I guess I didn't think about that. It's true. But I'm just thinking, like, you don't want to put that out there that there's a team we are not a oh, – yeah, sounds like afraid of. So, you don't want to play them. Why not? You're good. Well, first of all, I, I look at it. Like, I I mean, Urban is in our world now. Yeah. And he's going to say what he thinks is on his mind or his opinion. And his opinion is valued because he knows the college game as well as anybody out there. And so I don't think that's a sign of disrespect to Ohio State. I think it's a huge sign of respect to what Clemson is. And Clemson's a very good team. And in his mind, maybe he was thinking of it as a coach. Okay, well, if a coach, obviously I want to play Oklahoma. I play Oklahoma. I don't want to play Clemson first. But I say to myself, look, I play Clemson. I beat Clemson. That's only going to add to, and I'm very capable of beating Clemson, as Clemson is very capable of beating us. So, And it's not hard to keep your team focused exactly. on Clemson. They'll respect Clemson. I don't know if you respect Oklahoma, and it's hard. You also would be battling, and I don't know that this would tip it, but how many times have we seen in the playoffs, Ohio State benefited from this as far back as 2002. When you're the team that keeps hearing, you got no shot. You got to forget it. It's a foregone conclusion. You got no shot. That helps the team that people say have no shot, and it hurts the team by osmosis that people say are heavily favored. LSU's got to watch itself against Oklahoma because Oklahoma can score. Let me just I want to digress briefly on the urban thing. Or you're right. Urban and I is our urban is in our world now as media commentator. But I think here's an here's a distinction that he'll learn. He's probably even learning it today. You and I have been in it long enough. We understand when we say something. You know full well when you say something about Michigan because of your Lions career and because you're on Fox, it's going to carry. Sure. It doesn't vanish into the ether. <laughs> I think urban <laughs> does not quite yet grasp how much power his words have as a commentator. I don't think he quite grasps that. I think he will grasp it because as you venture into the deep water and say compelling things and and get back the feedback and the fallout, then you're like, "Eh, if I say that, you know, it doesn't mean we're exceedingly careful, but it just means that we understand the gravity right. of our words, and I think Urban will come to understand a bit more. It may not affect him at all. It may not change him at all. I hope it doesn't. The best commentators, it doesn't change at all. But he will come to understand the gravity of saying, yep, it's over. It's LSU's number one. What you have to do when you make that transition is, uh, in my opinion, and I think I've offered this to anybody that's ever asked me, 
is that you have to say what you believe and you base it on fact that or an opinion that you formulate by the facts that you gather then you formulate your opinion on what you uh, believe you cannot just sit there and try to please the masses because it's impossible to please the masses then understand because of who you are in the position that you're in and i'm going through this with lions fans right now so mm -hmm. you know it's a 50 50 split because i they want to fire him i don't think you fire a regime after two years but I understand what I'm saying. I understand what I'm saying when I'm talking about Michigan and, and everything I say, I believe. And, and it's not with, I think it's with great respect. And I think it's with, here's what I would do to help the program. I'm not trying to hurt the program. And so uh, you have to own what you say. And I think Urban understands that. I think maybe he was... I would be interesting to hear what the feedback was from Ohio State fans when Urban said, oh, that's case closed, LSU number one, before the game was over. Yeah, halftime. I think the problem was that the full full measure of how fans received that was I don't think they had time to deal with it at that point in time yeah, they because were they were worried mode. about, we're losing this game, you know, down 21-7, to Wisconsin the most ponderous offense in America went 75 yards in 32 seconds. Yeah. We got problems here. We got bigger fish to fry than Urban but Meyer how? saying LSU. Because I think most Ohio State fans at that point when he said it yeah. thought, yeah, that's well, yeah, I just want to win now. Well, We're that's done. What it was. Number one's over. Yeah. It would, did he say anything after the game? Yes, after the game he changed his mind. Okay. He flipped. Okay. Flip back. Oh, no, they responded like champions, and I thought, <laughs> could, good. could save. Kick saving good a save. beauty. Kick saving a beauty there. Uh, what a response, though, by Ohio State in the second half. Wisconsin held to 23? Something like a crazy number of yards. I made a joke. I said, you know, why did Paul Chris light a cigar with his game plan at halftime? Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. I mean, just, I, I, I got to ask, the question I'd ask Paul Chris is, your quarterback ran untouched into the end zone from 14 yards out on a zone read, and you never ran it again. Good question. How's that possible? Good question. Like, Great what question. kept them going in the first half? Jack Cohn scrambling, Jack Cohn running. Not like Justin Fields can run, but just enough that, uh, pass rush can't quite crash in there, la, la, la. Second half, it became first down, Jonathan Taylor. Yeah. Oh, here comes a little reverse. Gee, we've never seen Wisconsin run that before. I mean, it, the first half game plan for Wisconsin was dramatically different. I, I can't fathom that he thought he had enough points at halftime. Yeah, I, I I, don't know. I think maybe he scored too many in the first half and ticked Ohio State off. The response from Ohio State, I'll tell you, though, there was a little chink in the armor that that offensive line that I've been, you know, yeah, I've understandably. been lauding all year was dominated and pushed around in that first half, and the pass protection was very suspect. You are going to be uh, challenged like you've never been challenged in a game before if you're Ohio State's offensive line with the front seven of Clemson. Because I got news for you. I love some of those kids from Wisconsin. I think their effort is outstanding, and they're really good. But the, the speed and the athleticism that they're going to face on the front seven of Clemson or LSU – they haven't seen it, and so I think it was good for them to be humbled. Now, I thought their run blocking, their run blocking is always pretty pretty darn good, but the pass protection, and J.K. Dobbins had issues in pass protection, mm. 
And the other thing is, I, I think we were texting back and forth I, in that first half. I thought Justin digressed just a tad, mm -hmm. and he's holding the ball. I mean, he's holding the ball too long. You have to get rid of that football. I think there's a and lot. And he drops his eyes when, when there's people around him, you know. I get if you watch great NFL quarterbacks like Rodgers and Brady, yeah, and all the and even young guys, right? Kyler Murray, there's a feel in the pocket where their eyes never leave downfield. Never have to see where you, can I go? Where's the watch space? Watch this, Justin. I, even when they decide to run, they can still see the the receivers downfield and the and the throwing lanes that can turn into running lanes. So one thing he needs to improve on and. Again, it's just my opinion is that he's got to keep his eyes downfield because as soon as there's any type of pressure, his eyes drop immediately. And I don't know if he's worried about getting hit in the knee or what, but his eyes drop and he tucks. Then he looks for a place to run. So that's that's my opinion. Uh, he threw three more touchdown passes. He's now 40 touchdowns. I think it's 40 and one. 40 touchdowns. Amazing. He's just had a, an amazing year and an amazing his, player. Yeah, add in his 10 touchdown runs, and he's got 50 touchdowns and one pick. Dwayne Haskins, I think, had 50 touchdowns and nine picks. Something yeah. like that. So, yeah, Justin Fields has been tremendous. J.K. Dobbins was just, uh, I mean, what, what a luxury it was for Ohio State for J.K. Dobbins to only have 50-plus carries throughout the regular season until the Michigan in game. In the second half, you mean? In the 50-plus yes, carries in right, the second yes, half? Yes, correct. Yes. And I, I, I give that kid so much credit because he did not know what it was like to carry the ball 40 times or 36 times or 33 times or whatever it was in a game. And he didn't wear down. So that's a credit to, to Coach Mickey and, and the whole strength staff and the training staff and to, and to J.K. for taking the responsibility of being in shape and being able to handle that load. It was an amazing performance by him. And uh, I tell you, to me, you know, I, was, I wasn't I was in love with J.K., as you know, Bruce, at, at the beginning of the year. I, I, I tell you, I'm, I've done a complete 180 on the kid, man. I, I think he's awesome, and what a great player, and he plays with heart and passion, and he runs with so hard and fights and crawls for every single yard. There was one key third down or fourth down where he was initially stopped before the first down marker, and you know how he yes, kind of – you yes. remember that play yep. where he leaned his body spins over? spins and fights. Great, it's yep. just a great play and great awareness, man. It was just, It was fun to watch. 33 carries, uh, 172 yards, um, one touchdown for J.K. Dobbins. And so that means, I don't have the numbers right in front of me, but he was over 30 against Penn State, over 30 against Michigan, over 30 against Amazing. Wisconsin. So I think he carried the ball 100 times-ish in the yeah. last three games and had well over 160, all three, 200 against, was that Michigan? He had 200? Yeah, 211 and four <laughs> touchdowns. So in their biggest games, he's been tremendous. Um, and that's a great luxury for Ohio State to have because you saw what happened to Wisconsin when their run game evaporated in the second half. Jonathan Taylor uh, had a hundred, little over a hundred in the first half, a forty-four yard I think touchdown, one hundred twenty-five in the first half, if yeah, I remember correctly. A 40, a forty-five yard run right at the end of the half, and then in the second half, uh, not too much. So as I predicted, J.K. Dobbins outplayed Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor, Big Ten running back of the year, and J.K. Dobbins was classy about it after the game. He said, "You know, I don't, I just keep doing what I'm doing and hoping that I prove people wrong." and we got a monster. It's, it's like you're looking at a mirror here, Clemson and Ohio State. You got Justin Fields with crazy numbers. Trevor Lawrence had some interception issues early in the year. Those are over. He's playing great. Great wide receivers. They got Justin Ross, Amari Rogers, and T. Higgins. 
great back. They got Travis Etienne. They got the Butkus Award winner, a linebacker. Ohio <laughs> State's got Chase Young. I mean, you got two great coaches, great yeah. young coaches, two great staffs that people want to raid. I see Chad Scott, their offensive coordinator, is going to be hired at Syracuse. Jeff Halfley or Al Washington. Do you know got the can? Do you know got uh, booted at Syracuse? Uh, do you know Babers? Uh, maybe I maybe I read that headline wrong. They're yeah. negotiating with Chad Scott somewhere. I thought it was Syracuse. Did Dino go somewhere? I can't believe Dino got. He just got there, yeah, <laughs> didn't he? Let me check that uh, out because I do want to make this. Do you comment. have anything about the Boston? Do you have anything on the Boston College situation? I called you last week with a little tip on. Uh, I gave you my tips. BC's coming after. They were going to come after Luke Fickle, and you and I both agreed last week on the podcast. It's not a good Luke place Fickle, for Luke to go. Al Washington, and Jeff Halfley. It's going to be well. They would like it to be one of those three. I can't imagine that Luke would take it. Why wouldn't you take that job, Boston? If you're Luke. It's the ACC. You have yeah. one opponent. You have one guy that's a dominant force. Okay. Everybody else is so beatable. S- some of my some of my hesitance there is it's Luke's, tough to get guys in school there. Tough to get guys in school there. A lot tougher than Cincinnati. It's funny. I said that to uh, a Cincinnati alum last week. I said I don't want to offend you, but it's a whole lot different getting people into school and. Uh, Boston College, and it is at Cincinnati, and he, he laughed. He's like, oh, I'm not going to fight you on that. Uh, USF, South Florida. Okay. So, uh, South man, Florida, you're, Charlie you're, you're, you're down here. Uh, yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> you're down here firing Dino Babers sorry, in Jeff, the basement. The strength Jeff that you Scott, have. Jeff Scott, uh, <laughs> co-offensive coordinator. Uh, so, you know, it'd be like if Halfley left to go to Boston College. Neither one of these guys is leaving before the semifinal. They uh, are in a dead period here, recruiting-wise, so yeah. they can do a lot of game planning and all that kind of oh, stuff. Oh, man. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if Halfley takes the Boston College job. My guess is, yes, he would. Oh, I, I think he absolutely would. That's, um, that's a better job than Rutgers, is it not? Uh, by, a, by a million because miles. Because it's the ACC and not the Big Ten. Got one team to beat. Yep, like you said, Clemson is the by one the team way, to beat. By the way, just to reinforce, I think, I know it's my belief, and I do believe it's your belief, Um. The first hire of Greg Schiano was his recruiting coordinator. There you go. That is a New Jersey guy that has relationships with New Jersey coaches. So that just backs up our point that the most important thing in college football is recruiting. So it is, and I don't know if he'll be able to do it, but we'll see. He's already won. He's already won one battle. He kept his quarterback Sitkowski, the kid who entered the transfer portal and redshirted after they fired Chris Ash. Yeah. Um, you know, he kept Sitkowski. I mean, you'd rather have him than not have him. So I, I do. The other point I wanted to bring up about this Ohio State thing, and when I said this, I, I didn't say it tongue-in-cheek. If And think about the last three games, right? Mm-hmm. Penn State, Michigan, Wisconsin, the Big mm-hmm. Ten Championship. If they run Clemson in, in the semifinal and they happen to beat LSU, yep. you're going to – I'm, I'm on you. my. I'm on board. It's with the you. greatest team in Ohio State history. Well, there'd be can do 15 that. and 0. Nobody's ever been 15 and 0. Uh, the O2 team's a great team, but o, the O2 team didn't dominate teams like Ohio State. No. Ohio State played five college football playoff top 25 teams, beat them by an average of 25 points. Okay, the O2 team. It was the a lot of people called them the Luck Eyes. I mean, they kept finding ways. That's all that matters. Well, it's the end of the end of the game. That was a great coaching job, by the way, Absolutely. by Coach they, Trussell. They squeezed every ounce of talent and they ability did. out of that team <laughs> yeah, that they had, man. and they had a great defense. 
the the one thing, the misnomer that people sometimes apply now that we're in hindsight is it was just a plucky little underdog and they didn't have any talent. And well, they, had their talent. Ta- they had lots of NFL pl- And I don't mean just guys who got drafted. They had lots of longtime NFL yeah. players on that team. They had backups who were NFL players on that team, as does this team right now. Uh, so, you know, I don't have an issue with LSU being one. In fact, it all depends on how you want to grade the teams. Do you want to grade them on eye test or do you want to grade them on schedule? They've always said schedules matter. I think the SEC is a deeper league than the Big Ten. They won the SEC. They won on the road at Alabama. That's one thing they have that Ohio State doesn't have is a real, real impressive road win. Uh, they beat Ohio State beat more top 25 teams, 5-4. to four. LSU beat more top 15 teams. There's an argument for both there teams. There is. It's a, it's a splitting of hairs. And again, like our earlier tweet, the committee can't say, well, um, we'll just make them both number one. We'll split the – no, you can't do that. you got to pick a one and you got to pick a two. The interesting thing to me is everybody kept saying, well, you don't want to play Clemson. You don't want to play Clemson. You don't want to play Clemson. And I thought – well, then maybe Clemson ought to be number one. If nobody wants to play him, I didn't hear anybody say, you don't want to play LSU. You don't want to play Ohio State. I don't think that's, Clemson's... That's a really good point. I don't think Clemson yeah. should be number one, but everybody kept saying, you don't want to play them. Well, then why aren't they looking yeah, at as number one? Exactly. So, that's a great And point. the reasons why is because they don't have the resume. Yeah. But boy, lately, they've been pounding on Oh, they're people. a good team, man. It's it's going to be a great game. It really I can't wait for oh, that. Oh, it's game. a heavyweight fight. It's, it's like a, <laughs> you and I grew up in an era where now the heavyweight boxing is irrelevant, but man, a big heavyweight oh, fight just, there was a, This is that. It's uh re, I I'm excited because Ohio State is finally going to face in this playoff uh a team that is equally athletic as they are. We and talked about and Wisconsin, talent. and you you lauded Wisconsin's defensive line. The truth is, when kids go to Wisconsin, their recruiting ceiling are four stars, and they probably get a few four stars. Yeah. Probably they do a great I would, job I would of gar- developing players. They do. I would I would take this bet right now. I might be wrong, but I would take it. I would bet you that Ohio State gets more five stars than Wisconsin gets four stars. Oh, guaranteed. I'll and take a, that all day. And Wisconsin takes two and three stars and, as you said, develops them. Redshirts them and that, get and you ready to go. They bring them in and they make players out of them. But at Clemson, they don't take two and three no. stars. They are dudes, just like your guys are dudes. I mean, they got Trevor Lawrence, top quarterback, Justin Fields, top quarterback. Everybody wanted Justin Ross. Everybody wants T. Higgins. They have dudes. As you know from the 2016 playoff, I mean, Ohio State goes out there with Marshawn Lattimore and Gary and Conley. Yeah. First-round picks all over the place, and it's 31 to nothing. So they have Deshaun Watson, and they have Wayne Gallman, and they have, you know, dudes. Well, I remember going back to the, uh, was it the Orange Bowl when they had Taj Boyd and Sammy Watkins. Sammy Watkins. And look, this Clemson has been on... It was a very confident team against Ohio State. And uh, I look, I'm looking forward to the matchup. I'm looking forward to Akuda. And it certainly helped that he was back in the second half, by the way. Yes, it certainly did. You it know. certainly did. And then uh, Arnett, who's I thought, played really well. Except for that dumb, unsportsmanlike conduct. Yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah, it is. Really dumb. I, you know, and that's, you know, that'll be addressed. So. It's a great game, and I, I can't wait for it. I, I really I, – what if Oklahoma happens to beat LSU? I mean, happen. that's that's another – That could happen. I, I'm not saying it's a gimme, but that could be another 
advantage you get through in the second round, like when Ohio State beat Alabama. Yeah, you got right? the, the second game was the easier game. And who they play? Oregon. 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 Yeah. So there you yeah. go. I mean, it's so it's this is great. I I, I can't. This is this is the committee worked. I because. It, it it really doesn't matter at this point now. You know what I mean? It doesn't matter. This is who you play, and if you're Ohio State, fine. We'll we'll be one, two, three, or four. Who cares as long as we're in? I think this was a unique year for the committee in that they were spared the debate of who's four and five. That the four were obvious. That yeah, worked out for them, didn't it? But the debate this year was different. It was a one-two debate. I don't how, recall that we've had a one-two debate. How about before. Oklahoma needing overtime to beat Baylor, and Baylor was down to their... Third quarterback, third quarterback in that game. Well, they were down to him because they went to him. They didn't think their second team guy could throw the ball. Well, it doesn't matter. Right. You're, st- right. You're still, still playing, playing third, third quarterback. quarterback. So, hey, there's not often times that, you know, some things surprise me. I'm not really ever surprised mm-hmm. by the NFL because I think it's so crazy and the parody. You'll agree with me, even though some teams are bad. It's still, you can, it doesn't matter. You can. Look up one day, and, and the Bengals are going to be. Uh, the Bengals are one and eleven. Yeah, they gave the Browns all they wanted, and they can beat the Patriots or yes, whatever. It, it, it could, it, it could happen this week. It could happen. I mean, look what Denver did to the Texans. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, who won comfortably? <laughs> Running Crazy. away in Houston, by there's, the way. There's always one every week. There's always. It's one. amazing to me. Sixteen games or fifteen games, and there's always one. You go what? Ooh. But here's the thing, I. I never have witnessed something that I'm witnessing this year with your Cleveland Browns. Mm. You want to know what that is? We're not is? done with Ohio State yet, though, are we? Well, go ahead. No, all right, go ahead. Go back to Ohio State. I, 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 what, no, what we are, that's a tease for like five minutes from now. Right. We are not. You now know what I was talking about with the Browns last, <laughs> last week. I, I told like, you about the nonsense. Maybe. The weeks one through seven right, vanish. Ahead. What about okay. Ohio State? I will research this and have an answer for you on Wednesday. But how many teams, how many programs could there be who've played Ohio State three times and never lost to them? Like Clemson. I can't imagine that that's true of any. I mean, Oklahoma, Ohio State's beaten Oklahoma. Texas, Ohio State's beaten Texas. USC, Ohio State's beaten USC. Alabama, have we beaten Alabama? Yeah, we beat him in a playoff. We oh, beat him in a playoff. Sure, of course. I was thinking about your. <laughs> that was that was. Well, the, I was thinking about your hey, era. That was thirty yeah, seconds. Yeah, thirty ago. seconds ago. <laughs> okay, so we beat Alabama. We beat Notre Dame. Uh, <laughs> who else is there? You know, big time programs. Clemson's three and zero against Ohio State. Florida. LSU. Florida Gator Bowl. We tied LSU. Tied LSU. Beat LSU in uh, Coop's first year. Yeah. So yeah. Okay. So. I was thinking about the three Clemson games because they've all taken place in my lifetime, and they all, to me, have done like some really transformative things. Obviously, the 40 years ago, Gator Bowl, Woody helps Charlie Bauman up, and Clemson objected to that, and they <laughs> they fired poor Woody because of that. He was trying to give the kid a high trying, five. Trying to help him up. I mean. Um, so then, you know, the, the, the Orange Bowl, and I don't want to get into the weeds on that, but we will talk about in the, in uh, maybe Wednesday about why the Orange Bowl Lost to Sammy Watkins was transformative. Folks, I had a buddy yesterday uh, who was saying, ah, he really doesn't like Clemson. And I said, you realize, if not for Clemson 31 to nothing, you wouldn't have Ryan Day. You remember that offense that night? They passed for, this is hard to believe now, given what Ohio State's been since Ryan got here. Ohio State against Clemson in the 2016 playoff passed for 127 yards. 
I was told domination against Michigan the week before, or the you know, couple weeks before they passed for 126 yards. Yeah, they couldn't throw the football that year. And Ryan Day came in, and with the same quarterback, JT Barrett, the next year they threw for over 3,000 yards, and then Dwayne Haskins threw for almost 5,000 yards, and now Fields is. A long completion, a third and 18, 50-yard completion to Chris Olave away from throwing for 3,000 yards again, and he's got a 40-to-1 touchdown to interception ratio. Urban That's went amazing. looking. 40-to-1. 40-to-1. I mean, poor uh, Tim Beck and Ed Warriner uh, got their walking papers before they deplaned in Columbus after that game. Urban goes to Ryan Day with the 49ers, and he had uh, had Ryan as a graduate assistant in Florida. Ryan comes in, and look what Ohio State's offense has been since then. Top 10 every year. Scoring at a rate that only I think Oklahoma can match. So it's just interesting to me that that Clemson series starts with the Woody extended his hand of kindness to uh, Charlie Bauman. And in <laughs> Woody's own unique way. And then um, <laughs> That's very good, we get to Ryan Day because of Clemson. You disagree? You think Ryan Day would be here if they had been. Super competitive uh, poss- in that game? Possible only because of this that I know Urban Meyer, and if you're not living to the standard that he wants or expects from assistant coaches, you're not going to have a job. Remember the Urban quote after that game? It is, for a guy who won 90% of his games, <laughs> it's really unique that his signature quote as an Ohio State coach in seven years came after a loss, and after that loss specifically, and his quote was, we're not used to this. It'll never happen. I'm not used to this. <laughs> We're not going to get used to this. That will never happen again. <laughs> well, that's what you have to be as and a coach. it hasn't happened again. That's the only shutout of his 17-year coaching yeah, career, I, the worst loss he ever suffered, and it hadn't happened again. <laughs> well, because of Ryan Day and Urban well, Jim, of course. Yeah. yeah. We're not used to this. <laughs> I'm not used to this. We're not going to get used to this. What do you think the assistant coaches were doing after they heard uh, that quote? <laughs> Ed Warner's like, let me look through my phone here. Two men oh, in a truck, man. two men in a truck. Yeah, planes moving in storage. Well, I, I, and when he, I, I remember the day he made, he made that hire of Ryan Day. Mm-hmm. And I actually ran into Ryan in a restaurant downtown a couple days after and had a chance to talk to him a little bit. And Ryan came from... San Francisco, I believe, where Urban hired him from under Chip Kelly's staff. So, yeah, it was a great hire. And I'm going to say this, and uh, I hope I'm wrong, but I'm going to say for Ohio State fans, enjoy Ryan Day now and what a great coach he is because he will be in the NFL. He is an NFL guy. Yeah. Maybe Jeff Halfley goes to Boston College in three years from now. He's back here. Or maybe Luke Fickle goes to Michigan State. Well, I don't think – here's a problem with Luke going to Michigan State. And and Dino's still at Michigan State, by the way. I'm not trying to move Dino out because heaven knows he loves, brings so much joy to our lives as Michigan State's head coach. Um, I don't think Luke can take a Big Ten job and hope to get back here. I don't think Ohio State wants to take a coach from another no, Big Ten school. No, I don't think so either. Yeah. So maybe Especially BC a team makes like a lot Michigan of sense. State. Yeah, maybe, maybe Boston College makes sense for Luke. Maybe Rutgers. If you want it, Rutgers, Chiano, bring Chiano back. No, I don't think that's happening. No. Uh, you can review the podcast, and we hope you do, by going to iTunes. Here's from uh, Master List User. He reviewed this uh, on Saturday the 7th. Yes, it was. Thank you very much. And that's important. If you've reviewed us before, you say, well, I already did it. No. 
They recycle every 48 hours, and it really does help us if you do fresh reviews. They rate the podcast higher, so we get uh, more feedback from you, and that's what we want. He says, this is my favorite podcast of all time. Wow. I just listened to you both laughing hysterically about being one small step up from Twitter posters living in their parents' basements. Classic. Keep up the great work, guys. Yes, that was our open for today's show. Spiel's revelation in the midst of us fixing all the problems in the NFL that we are just two guys in a basement. <laughs> did, didn't that humble you at all, though? Did you just yeah, think? Did you, did you? Of course it did. It's absolutely right. Not that you ever need humbled. You haven't been humbled enough in your life. I quote the great philosopher Maurice Claret. It's a humbling thing being humbled. <laughs> One of the all-time Ohio State quotes. That, that, it's a humbling thing. Being I love humbled. it. I love that. that. Yes. Absolutely right. Well, the Cleveland Browns haven't learned that lesson yet. Uh, they no. won yesterday against the Cincinnati Bengals. But, hey, the score doesn't matter. The Denzel Ward interception and pick six return oh. doesn't matter. How they won doesn't matter. All that matters, of course, is what's top of mind with the Cleveland Browns. Now, you might say, well, going into the game, Top of mind might be not losing to the Bengals and getting your coach fired. No, no, no. Top of mind was, of course, the Fox blockbuster from Jay Glazer that Odell Beckham has been telling teams, players on teams during game, they'd tackle Odell Beckham Jr. and he'd get up and he'd tell them, hey, come get me. Don't like, not like, hey, come get me, tackle me. Like, hey, come get me out of Cleveland because I don't want to be here. We predicted this. Yeah. Then I sent you another yeah, so Item. that's the big thing going into the game, and you're thinking, boy, after the game, their Browns reporters are really going to be all over Odell Beckham and asking that question and stuff, and they did. But then Baker Mayfield stepped to the podium, and they asked Baker Mayfield about Odell Beckham Jr.'s sports hernia and uh, how it had been treated and what his thoughts were on Odell's injury. Yeah, um, I'd say that, you know, what wasn't handled right. Uh, he's not able to run as well as he should be able to, uh, as well as he knows, and that's frustrating for him. Uh, it's, you can sense that's some of his frustration, where that comes from. So it uh, wasn't handled the right way in our training room. So, uh, we'll, we'll, you know, it is what it is. And so his not 100% is still good enough for us. There you go. He... <laughs> It was not handled right in our training room. Uh, Mr. Spielman, you have a unique perspective. You're an NFL player. You know very well the dynamics between uh, organizational structure and players talking about team training staff and team doctors and things like that. Uh, Give us that perspective on how that plays. I was unaware that he received his medical degree. When did Dr. Mayfield... When did that happen? In the offseason or he was making in, commercials? I think he was when in Arkansas studying for his medical degree when he was running away from the cops. All right, listen, listen, listen. Somebody's really got to talk to him or, or keep him from going to the microphone or do the old football questions only, please, because every time he can't get out of his way and he's, he doesn't realize that when he speaks of things not of football – then he, is it ever good? Is he, it ever good he, when he does that? I mean, let's look at I, it's it's it would be like I would present it to him. No, I'm not being me. I'm just saying, look, I'm going to present this to you. Help me help you. I'm going to present this to you as like a, a one loss record as a quarterback mm-hmm. or touchdowns to interceptions. Let's look at it this way. Yeah. Every time you get off script and start talking about other things about football, you know what you're doing. You're hurting our 
team. That's what you're doing. I get you have personal feelings. I, I, I'm all about it. And when you are retired and you want to go into the media and have your own talk show radio, you can throw all your opinions out there that you want. And you'll be great at it, yeah. But now it's about the team, Baker. And every time you address something, I don't you know you I, I know you don't have ill will and you don't want to hurt the team, but every time you open your mouth, you're hurting the team. And and by disparaging the training staff and the medical staff, that hurts the team. And by the way, it takes away from the celebration of the win. As we've learned that it's very difficult to win a game in the NFL. As I don't care who you are, yeah. it's very difficult to learn. And so you're going to sit here and become Dr. Mayfield and tell the trainers and doctors the best way to treat a sports hernia. It, you're, it, it makes no sense. And by the way, your boy Jarvis Landry, who my, I my sent yeah. you, again, is fighting with the receivers coach. Yeah, his college receivers coach, Aaron Henry, who that was why Jarvis Landry was going to be happy as a Cleveland Brown because they paid him a lot of money and because they gave him his college receivers coach from LSU, Aaron Henry. I, 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 I've never seen anything like this. Like, I used to think, when you used to tell me all this stuff, that they uh, consume themselves with things that don't concern football. I mean, I think I it's to tell you that all the time. It's I think Bruce is just being his normal paranoid. I hate the Browns. I'm oversensitive. Yeah. <laughs> oversensitive self. Yeah, magnifying <laughs> molehills into mountains. Now what do you I, think? I, I'm so with you. I like I every morning I wake up. I I I pray. I send the Bible verse to my children. Then I look for what the Browns say today. That, I mean, I'm serious. That's what happened. To, I, I'm. What did the Browns say today? It's the lead story on ESPN.com. Is not the Browns won. It's not anything else that happened in the NFL. It's Baker Mayfield <laughs> throws the training staff under the bus. Where else in the NFL could an explosive story like someone who has the star power of Odell Beckham Jr. telling people on other teams after they tackle him, hey, I want out of here. Come get me. Three and a half hours later, somebody on your team does something that eclipses that in, you got to be kidding me, fashion. But they do. But they specialize in it. If they could win like they stumble in social media and in public relations, crisis management matters, they would be the New England Patriots. They would put the New England Patriots to shame if they could win like that. But they can't win like that, and they never will win like that until they cure this issue. You know who Solomon Wilcox is? Yes. He was on, uh, driving over here this morning, he was on NFL radio. Fox, former uh, former Fox analyst or NFL, or CBS analyst yeah. or somebody, former and, Bengal. And he's yeah. on the NFL Network. And he's been a Browns preseason analyst, yeah. by the way. And he, he said something I thought was profound, and to me it was. He said... The Browns are such a unique organization that they turn guys into guys that they don't want to be. And he referenced the Miles. He said Miles Garrett and Solomon knows Miles Garrett is not a guy that's going to take his helmet and try to assault somebody with his helmet. And he said that <laughs> the Browns turn guys into guys that they don't want to be. Because yeah, of the I, frustration that whatever or the culture, he was talking about the culture, and he was talking about Freddie. I mean, the lack of self awareness and insight 
to sit there and go out in public and to wear a t-shirt where there's a constant, it doesn't, I don't want to hear you, Freddie, or anybody preach to me that it's always about the team. It's always about winning when it's not because it's about watches and shoes and the training staff sucks and and uh, I need my, my catches and I'm going to fight with my coach and, and I'm, I'm going to do my celebrations and uh, whatever else Baker said, I can't keep track. Yeah, the Browns are unique among NFL teams, but they're really not unique among organizations. I said to you the problem is their culture. They always pick talent over is this guy going to be good for our culture? Now, you do need guys who are talented, but in any business, in any large organization like a, a football team, let's take a roster. you got 53 guys on a roster. You're probably going to have um, four or five guys who can influence things in a good way, or you know, you'll, have a, you'll have a small number of guys who can lead in a good way, or you'll have a small number of guys who can lead in a bad way. When your ratio of those guys is out of balance, and you have more guys who lean out, who are selfish, who don't buy in. They're leaning out. They're in it for themselves. When you have more of those guys than you have guys who are all in, early at the facility, working hard after practice, doing the good things, not concerned about endorsements, not concerned about off-field stuff, just I'm into just winning. When you have more guys who are selfish than you do guys who are invested, you have more lean-outers than lean-inners, guess what? The guys in the middle who can go either way, and they're always way, 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 way more of those guys, they're the guys who are influenced. They're influenced by the guys who are leaning out. They're influenced by the Freddie Kitchen stupidity. They're, a lot of them are offended by it, but they're like, why should I work hard? Look at that knucklehead. They're influenced by Odell Beckham. They're influenced by Jarvis Landry. They're influenced by the fact that the Browns will bring back Antonio Callaway after he has a four-game suspension after they told him a year earlier, this is your last chance, Antonio Callaway. No, it's not. No, it's not because I'm talented and you'll always Josh pick Gordon. talent. Josh Gordon. On and on and on. When you have more people who are leaning out, guess what? They're pulling your majority of your people in the middle. They're pulling them out. They're not focused on the job at hand. And you are struggling to win. You're struggling so, to succeed in your business. That's a universal leadership concept. You know who Vic Fangio is, correct? Yeah. Vic's the head coach of the Denver Broncos, former defensive coordinator of the Chicago Bears last year, and he was there when Khalil Mack came from Oakland. And I asked Vic, tell me about Khalil Mack. He said, Chris, this quote, when your best players are your best leaders, you're going to have a good side of the ball or a good unit or a good team or whatever. And that's exactly what Khalil Mack does because of his, his attitude, because of his practice habits, uh, he raises and elevates everybody else around him. Let's look at good teams in the NFL. NFL, uh, the New England Patriots with Tom Brady, the uh, New Orleans Saints with Drew Brees, Mike Thomas. You know, uh, down through the ages, Baltimore Ravens with Ray Lewis. Say what you want about Ray Lewis. Was Ray Lewis invested? Was Ed Reed invested? Yeah. Who set the culture in a, in the locker room? I mean, yeah. it's it's just universal. It's not it's not a hard concept to understand. What is, is a hard concept to implement because you it's counterintuitive. You're like, yeah, but I could get Odell Beckham. Yeah, the temptress. Yeah, but who do you need more? Kevin Zeitler in the center of your offensive line who you're never going to hear quoted and he's not going to sell any jerseys <laughs> and all that, but he'll block for your quarterback. Or do you need Odell Beckham, who's really a luxury? Because you didn't have any problem making plays down the field last right. year with Jarvis Landry and David Njoku and the weapons that you had. You didn't have a problem making that. But, oh, we got 
God, I, we can't let him. Isn't that amazing? Man, it, it's it's it seriously. The, you you it, hit it. It's the temptress. It's it's it reflects life where you know when you make good decisions and you have to make good decisions. Like when you're being married, I mean, you just you got to make good decisions. And when you see something, whatever, you got to be able to walk away. And whatever part of your life, whether that's alcohol or drugs or whatever, it, there's a temptress out there, yeah. and you have to be able to walk away. Now, I'm not saying you don't take chances on guys, but you better be able to understand that, hey, there's an understanding between you and that player. You're coming in here, and you're going to assimilate into what we are. We are not going to turn into what your reputation is. Yeah. And if I get one sign of it, then you got to have the guts to pull the trigger, like New England with Antonio Brown yeah. or Josh Gordon or whoever it is. Yeah, I mean, Chad Ochocinco. They go in there, and you're not going to work hard. You're not going to run the right routes. You're not going to do your job. Yeah. Bye. And that, you're right. It's it's The formula is so easy, but it's so difficult. It takes lots and lots of discipline to, implement. to adhere to it. Yeah. It really does, because you just think, oh, I can't live without it. No, <laughs> you can. Well, I mean, I think that, you know, look, John Dorsey's had success in a lot of places where he's been. But if you're trying to build that culture and you don't have a strong head coach to balance a, a, a general manager that's not afraid to take chances on guys, this is what can happen. And this is why a very talented team, there's no argument from anybody that I know that knows football. But this, but it's a because of all the dysfunction in the calendar that you have, that's why you have a 11 and 5 team or 12 and 4 team that's going to be lucky if they're 500. Yeah. I think they'll lose another one before uh before it's all said and done. I, I would expect the Cardinals to beat them this week. I just would. Too much going on as there always is. We want to thank our friends at Stover Farms Custom Meats, 4000 Presidential Parkway in Powell. Uh, a great time for you to order your Christmas turkey because if you don't, uh you'll get one that's inferior. Stover Farms they sell nothing but non-GMO, no-hormone beef, pork, and poultry. Right in their residential, or right in their retail store, rather, at 4000 Presidential Parkway in Powell. Uh, they're open on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday after 10, up until about 5. And you can find them on the web at StoverFarmsCustomMeats.com. And tell them you're a Spielman Hooley listener. You'll get a free pound of hamburger for every pound that you buy. And it's uh, certified Angus beef grown on their farm in Lexington, processed here's the other thing stover will process your beef they have a processing facility and they'll process it for you if you would like to give away steaks and let's say some bacon some sausage some chicken for christmas they'll vacuum pack it they'll put it in a box you tell them exactly what you want what cuts you want you want a ribeye you want filet mignon you want this you want that you want a certain number of roasts they'll vacuum seal it pack it up for you, you show up pick it up off you go uh, they'll do a side of beef they'll do a whole hog they'll do half a hog whatever Work with them. They'll work with you. StoverFarmsCustomMeats.com. All right, I wanted to read one more review. All right. Well, can I ask one quick question? Yeah, sure. Are those chickens in your backyard for sale? To be, they sure to are because they've entered the portion of their life where they're not laying anymore. So they're of no use to me. Laying eggs. What have you done for me lately, chicken? Uh, this is from uh, I'm a Buckeye, and his review is headlined, Love Spiels. I can do without Hooli and his vindictive personality. <laughs> 
I love how that Make America Great Again has the gall to discuss faith. Keep it to yourself and live your life righteously. Since you're such a Bible reader, you know Matthew 6. Uh, I guess the only reviews that get on air are those that discuss how much they like the faith segment. I don't need faith and sports intermixed. Well, thank you for the review. <laughs> I want to hear how you answer this. I'm, I, well, I, it's not an email, so you can't, oh, okay. can't respond. Okay. So that's why I read it, because I wanted to respond. No, I want to hear on what here. you're going to say now, because um, I'm really, really excited to hear your response, because yeah, I, mean, I have I'm, a response. I mean, I, I'm not going to lie to you. I like being liked. I don't like not being liked. So mm. it troubles me that he, um, and I have to police myself about being vindictive. I know That's you a do. struggle with mine. I so absolutely I, that know hits that. Me, that hits me real and convicts me and makes me question myself, am I vindictive? Um, I try not to be. I endeavor not to be, but I acknowledge that I can be. Um, and honestly, uh, I'm a Buckeye uh, reviewer. We don't censor our reviews. We have been, I have been, maybe I don't want to speak for you, I have been very surprised that we haven't received I'm not going to say any more or, or more. I'm going to say any more. This is the first review we've ever received where people have complained about us mixing faith into our podcast. I thought we'd hear it a lot. I thought we'd hear people say, I'm never listening to this. I don't need this. Who are you? Uh, the fact of the matter is, this is why we're doing the podcast. We enjoy Buckeye football, Browns football. We enjoy, Chris and I enjoy each other's company. We like laughing. We like entertaining you. But more important to us, which we both discussed as we sort of plotted out how we're going to do this podcast, is what we wanted to accomplish with it. We wanted to accomplish encouragement, inspiration. We want to be transparent about our own failures, our own struggles, in hopes of having other guys and other people identify with us and say, um, what they just said about their struggles rings true in my life. Or what they just said about where they get their comfort, where they get their direction, where they get their inspiration, uh, that either rings true in my life or, boy, I'd really like to have that in my life. And I'm going to check out what they say about the source of that comfort and inspiration and encouragement. So we haven't gotten any other reviews that complain about it. Um, the great thing about podcasts, you can find one for whatever your interests are and exactly what you want to hear. And if you don't want to hear faith mixed in with sports, then we're not your we're not your podcast. Or the last or the last ten minutes, we aren't your podcast uh, because yeah. we we structure it how we do. And we're not going to promise you that we'll never get into it early in the podcast. If something in life um, intersects with faith, we'll probably reference how we think that happens uh, at that moment of the podcast. Yeah. But by and large, if you don't want the faith part, it's the last five to 10 minutes of the podcast. Right. We don't, we don't try to trick you. You can pretty much tell it's coming. You can tune out, you can hit the stop button, but this is who we are. This is who we're going to continue to be. Honestly, after all the Buckeye stuff slows down and Buckeye basketball slows down, it, it might be more faith oriented. Yeah. And so we're trying to be fully transparent in our failures, in our triumphs, and in what we bring to you from a content perspective. So, so thank you for your review. We will read critical I'm so reviews. I'm impressed with you. That's where we are. And I, and I appreciate the review, and I appreciate you being honest, and I hope you— Let me reference uh, quickly math, the Matthew 6 references where Jesus talks about uh, what you do, do it in secret. Don't pray in public. Don't expect the right. commendation of other men. Uh, I just read today in Luke, and here's my philosophy on sharing my faith. Okay, I'm going to share it. 
I've been I've been really affected in my life by Chris and Stephanie's example. You expose it to everyone. You don't impose it on anyone. Right. I can't force you to believe a certain thing. But I believe with every fiber of my being, I believe as much as I'm certain I'm sitting in my own basement right now and that the sky is blue and the sun rises in the east and sets in the west, that there'll be a day of reckoning in every single person on earth's life. You will have to make the most important decision you will have to make in your life is, who is Jesus Christ and what am I going to do with him? Am I going to accept his sacrifice for me at the cross and count on his perfection as my only way of being accepted in God's sight? Or am I going to reject what Christ did for me? Mm -hmm. And I will suffer the consequences of that. My commitment and mission in life is to make sure to the extent that I can make sure that everyone understands the essential nature of making that decision. Mm -hmm. You have to make it. Satan would like for you not to even think about that decision. My, my calling, my burden what I feel compelled to do is to make others who have intersected with my life through sports understand that, hey, I know you got a lot going on, but the most important thing you have going on is what are you going to do with Jesus Christ? You have to make that decision. I can't make it for you. Your mom can't make it for you. Because you go to uh, church, your dad can't make it for you, your friend. Nothing you do is good enough. It's all what Jesus did. So that's my mission. And this podcast is the avenue God's given me at the moment to do it. I'm going to continue to do it, and I'm very grateful that Chris uh, helps me do it and joins with me in doing it. So a couple things. First of all, I, I, I'm, I'm grateful for that review because um, I'm surprised we haven't received more of those. But I think the one thing uh, hopefully he respects and appreciates that we're up front about who we are and what we are, what the podcast is, and what we're going to talk about. And if the reference you're talking about in Matthew 6 is, is six is, is do it in secret, you got to keep that in the context, I, I, that context. To me, I thought that was a, a rebuke on, on if some high priest or Pharisees or Sadducees were fasting that week, they'd walk around town telling everybody how much they're suffering for God because they're fasting. All right. Or Make sure they get a front row at the pew so everybody can see them. Hey, look at me. I'm in church. Where are you? Or how much money they give or, or whatever the case may be. And I think that's that was uh, in reference to that, uh, I believe. Um, here's, here's the thing. I think when we go into this faith thing, our goal is to say, look, everybody struggles. You know, this is how we deal with it. This is how we uh, handle life and our experiences. And this is what we're sharing. And you certainly have the right to turn it off or keep it on. Uh, our whole our goal is to be honest. And my, my goal is, is this, that I think because of my life experiences, um, sometimes I get put up to think, oh, he's a good dude and he's done this, done that. I'm just like you. I have the same fear. I have the same struggles. I have the same temptations. I have the same problems. I have the same issues that everybody else has. And so I try to, um, I try to share my experiences so that you can understand that, um, that I, I'm, I want to be relatable to you and understand that my fear is your fear and my comfort can be your comfort. And I just want to encourage you that I, I, I get it. 
you know, if that's what you choose to do, then God bless you. More power to it. If you if you're in, want to do it in secret, that's fine. There's no right or wrong way to do this thing. Uh, our way is that for whatever reason, God has given Bruce and myself a platform, and uh, I think courage to share our faith because I have to answer one day. What did you do with what I gave you? And I, we, we really try hard. We really try hard to expose, not impose, and not beat anybody over the head with what we believe or why we believe it. We really try hard to encourage you to say, okay, well, let's see if there's some truth to what they're saying. And nobody's going to say, believe this or I'm going to punch you in the face. Nobody's saying that. What we are saying is that you owe it to yourself, like anything in this life, if you want to learn about something or if something interests you or something uh, uh, is, is interesting to you in the fact that, well, that dude has something that I wonder what that is, and I'm not going to tell you what to believe ever. Uh, my goal is to tell you why I believe it, because I've had things happen in my life, just like everybody else has had things happen in our life, good and bad. And the one constant has always been the peace and comfort that transcends all understanding that comes from God. I don't understand it. I don't explain it. It's hard to, it's, it's hard to imagine. Uh, for example, the biggest example I can use is this. Uh, when Stephanie died, I thought, well, that's it. I'm never going to love anybody again. I'm never going to have that feeling like between a man and a woman ever again. And I don't want it. I mean, I remember sitting in, 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 uh, in uh, my office in my old house and I was saying, I don't want that feeling again. I don't want it. I, I, I just, I want to be a crusty old widower. That's what I wanted to be. Did you feel like you needed to be that way because that would be authenticate your love for her? Like, well, I, I, I can't explain that? why I felt I felt a lot of things in Stephanie died. I felt angry. I felt guilty. Mm -hmm. I felt sad. I felt inadequate. I felt like, yeah, because of who I am and my personality, uh, I felt like I wanted to punish myself and I don't deserve this. And so then I met my wife now, Carrie, and the only way it could have possibly worked that it could I could have something uh, that is the same type of love that I had for Stephanie, but it had to be totally different. And I said, how is that even possible? And it is. And I, I don't have an explanation for it, but it is. And so God has blessed me to be able, at least on this lifetime, to have uh, love for another woman, but it'd be totally different because if it wasn't totally different, then it could never work. I don't know if that makes sense. So look, I, I appreciate you. I understand that. Um, maybe you don't want to listen to it. That's fine. But I, I'm going to keep talking about it. I'm the one that's responsible usually for the, the, the Bible verses. Well, a lot of times I am about the uh, Bible verses that we say. And Bruce and I don't have a choice. There's something called uh, the Great Commission. Um, the Great Commission says, go and make disciples of Jesus Christ. And, and he gives that to uh, 
uh, everybody, his disciples be, or and apostles before he ascends into heaven. And that is our great commission. And we are going to do it in a loving, caring, compassionate uh, way. We are going to give a reason for the hope that we have without uh, threatening or judgmental way. Uh, we all fall short. You fall short. I hate to tell you that. <clears throat> I fall short. Bruce falls short. But we're all going for the same thing. And my motivation is that I'm going to stand in front of God one day and I got to give an answer. And my answer is going to be, hey, I did all I could, man. That's my answer. Yeah. That's, uh, you know, we're doing the best that uh, we have with the gifts that we're given and the uh, abilities that we have. And we certainly try to stay connected through uh, prayer and thought. And, you know, Chris holds me accountable. And um, well, we hold each other accountable. Uh, hopefully, yeah. Hopefully we hold each other accountable. And that's what Christian brothers do for each other. You know, there's a real privilege in uh, worshiping together with people and, uh Gaining that strength from people. I wrote down three things that uh, friends of mine said in church yesterday. They were just things that they said in kind of an offhanded way, but they were were really wise. One of them was that uh, you can't pray for something that's too big for God to accomplish. You just demonstrated that where you said, you know, I don't want this. And God had a different plan for you. And he had a a different great thing for you with your marriage to carry. Well, what, what, and yeah, (laughs) yeah. And the thing uh, I learned in, in um, church in the in the homily on um, homily is a sermon, by the way, Saturday night in Minneapolis, which the priest gets up and he says, hey "Amen. Go to a desert, just like John the Baptist. Go to a desert and be silent, and don't get caught up in everything, and reconnect. Just reconnect with God. Just you and God." Just be silent for a while and don't try to, you know, go save the world all the time. Don't, go, you know, just don't try to be the best. I'll just go be silent and listen and come back re-energized. And it was a great message for me. I needed to, I needed to hear that at that time. I need to be freaking silent once in a while. I need to go to a desert and not the Fiesta Bowl. Not yet. Anyway. <laughs> That's right. But we'll be talking about that trip and we'll be talking about our own faith journeys too. So, uh, we do. I, seriously, I'm a Buckeye. Thank you for the review because uh, God used it to give us an avenue. Yeah. And Thank uh, you. Hopefully, uh, we want you to keep listening. But if you don't, we understand why and we'll continue to do what we're doing. Everybody have a great day. We'll be back Wednesday with more on the Spielman and High, uh, Spielman Hooley We Tackle Life podcast. You can email the show, Podcast at gmail.com. Life I have been called